Fed Square's Anything But Square podcast was created, recorded, and edited on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung Cultural Heritage Aboriginal Corporation. We acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches and on which Fed Square's partner organisations stand. Sovereignty was never ceded. My name is Sarah Gasali and today I'm joined by Mick Harding, an incredibly talented artist from the Kulin Nations in Victoria and Deputy Chair of the Victorian Aboriginal Heritage Council. Mick, I'm really excited to chat to you. Likewise, I'm uh, looking forward to the interview. First things first, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm a uh, Tanarong man, or as I like to say, Takungurung man. I've been working in and around cultural heritage for about 30 years. I've also been a practising artist for about uh, 15 to 20 years. I currently live on Gunai Kurnai country. I don't live on my own country at the moment. But I work three days a week also for my traditional owner corporation, which is Tunnerong Land and Waters Corporation up, up in Broadford. So I'm backwards and forwards up the highway um, on a weekly basis. That's in a nutshell. That's really quick executive summary kind of way. <laughs> no worries. Thank you. When did you first start working as an artist and what sort of artwork do you create? Well, if we want to go right back to my earliest um, recollections, my father worked for what was called the Herald and the Sun at the time, and he used to bring the papers home of a night time, and I would rummage through those papers and get straight to the funnies, and I would try to copy the cartoons. So that's my earliest I can remember. I liked it at um, tech school. I did a bit there, and then um, I got interested in woodwork. I really like woodwork as well. A friend of mine, Russell Mullet, gave me a, a blank boomerang arm one time, and so I took that away and tried to shape it nicely into a into a boomerang, and eventually was able to achieve that. And that began my path to making wooden artefacts like our our old people. I think I did a cert three cert four in indigenous art at the local TAFE and uh, I've got a, a master's in fine art from Fed Uni uh, as well and just really love the idea that I'm not only making art but trying to produce quality and accuracy the symbols and stuff that I use and and try to engage our stories and weave them into the artworks as well so mostly do you create Aboriginal artwork? Yeah, I do, I, I do as a matter of fact. Um, uh, mostly produce Aboriginal artwork. Uh, on the rare occasion, I've just drawn something because I just like it or try some different kind of medium, um, a different paint or, you know, um, join things together and play around with it. Would you mind talking us through the process of when you first start making an artwork? Is this like a set process or does it change between each work? I draw mainly on a really nice Arches 320 GSM paper. Essentially I, I start by sketching an idea with pencil and then once I've sketched it in pencil I like to mostly bust up whatever it is I'm drawing into shapes 
and I usually use sort of traditional shapes or symbols. It's a whole bunch of shapes, but essentially they look like the animal or the bird or a scarred tree or, you know, a shield or a boomerang. Or Then I come back with a, a felt tip pen, do the outlines of those shapes. I'll often, if I'm doing a particular bird, I'll Google it and get a, a nice clear picture of it just so I can see the different spaces of colour, different patterns, and then try to sort of mimic that. I really like the idea of mimicking pattern to sort of make it look like it's blending in with its its background, sort of a, a camouflage, if you will. So I try to mimic a little bit of that sort of stuff, the way I, I draw, and, and then try and use the the common symbols and shapes that we we use and and blend them together, blend that idea together, uh, which I think works um, pretty well. Similarly, when I make an artefact, I'll pencil draw something onto the, the artefact, and then when I come back with my burner, I'll correct as I go. Some of those um, designs are almost moulded inside my mind. I can just roughly draw something really, really, really rough, and then I know what I'm going to do, and I know where to go with it because I've been doing it for um, so long. Thank you for sharing that with us. Do you think that your art or just art in general helps bridge the gap between non-Indigenous and First Nations people? And is this something that you consciously think about when you're creating new artwork? I think it's a big part of the, the artwork I produce and I suppose it's a big part of my life as well. I'll give you this quote. It's um, from a First Nations man, and I haven't got it in front of me. He said it back in 1955, and he essentially said, all we are is story. Really, when you think about human beings, we just tell stories. I'm just trying to tell a story to an audience, whether that's to non-Indigenous people or whether it's to my own people. When I'm talking about my own people, you know, we're reminding ourselves of our connections to ourselves and to our country, and then trying to transfer that through to um, non-Indigenous people so that um, we're sharing some of what we know with other people. And do you think that that actively closes the gap between these two communities? Well, I do. I do believe that two different people come together and they talk openly they'll sort of get to know one another on a brief moment, I suppose, uh, you know, um, get to know who they are, where they're from. That's even if, you know, they're born in Australia, you know, get to know where they're from. Um, or if they're from overseas, you know, get to know where they're from and what their background is. And I think if Captain Cook had taken his time when he first got here and um, sat down and uh, made a fire, bore the billy, invited us to sit down with him, and did what he was intended to do, which they were supposed to um, create a treaty between themselves and the first people. History tells us that didn't happen. So, but uh, nonetheless, you know, it's still about storytelling. It's still about us sharing amongst ourselves and with others our story about our long connection to this place that's called Australia. The other thing I think that we do, we tell story not just to tell a story. We tell that story through song and dance and ceremony, connecting to country, connecting to other people. 
in that sort of sense of, you know, that really broad sense of relationship or that really inclusive idea of relationship. Continuing on our discussion of artwork, how do you think that non-Indigenous people can celebrate and partake in your art without appropriating it? I have a I have a business. I sell my wares. We have um, symbols and and different animals and spaces and places that connect us to those places. And you know, we might draw or talk or sing or dance or have a ceremony about those connections to those places and stuff. When I draw, I've got those kinds of things in my imagination. We have a deep connection to the, our country, our, our home country, I suppose, if you, if you will. What goes along with that is intellectual property or culture, however you want to um, articulate it, but it's something that's, um, that is actually part of us. Um, other people may be attempting to appropriate it. They haven't got that other element to it, that deep understanding of it. It would be safe to say... Anywhere in the world where you might go, you might find a really specific expression of an art form. And I mean art in a, you know, its broadest spectrum. You can watch the way in which they articulate that to their audience. And it would be offensive of me to do the same to them people as it is here. It has become a, a bit of a problem. We already have a problem with a lot of Asian countries are making certain things of ours and reselling them back over here. And governments don't do a hell of a lot about it. You know, they, they talk a lot about it, but they don't do a lot. But they could certainly do something that limits its its impact so it gives us more of a an opportunity to stand on our own two feet and have a you know a, an industry. You know, we can flourishing um, along with any other, of course. And, you know... Um, I sometimes think maybe people outside of our our community, the Aboriginal community, don't recognise that we had a very good trading system. It was not money, but it was other things that we traded amongst each other. You know, essentially it worked for a long while as well. So after all, money is just a trading system. You know, I've had a few times where people have asked about whether they could use it. And I've said, well, it's not your right to use it um, commercially. And really, what business is, is it of yours to use our symbols and draw in the same kind of manner as us when you haven't got a, a personal connection to it? Sometimes people get confused and put our people into these modern and traditional artworks, if you will. And I don't really subscribe to that. And again, that's storytelling. And to some degree, I, I wonder whether that's to sort of a, a control mechanism over us. Any culture in anywhere, any time and space, they'll decide how they go about articulating their world and what mediums they use. To do that, you need to be relevant and you need to change with technology to some degree. This year's NIDOC theme is Heal Country, Heal Our Nation. How does this resonate with you? Um, it's close to my soul. I was part of Treaty Working Group. We set out about trying to get some agreement with our community, across our community, 
we're post the treaty working group now and we've got the the first people's assembly the uh, traditional owners that represent all the different groups inside that assembly are doing the work by the way we created a piece of legislation in which they now are doing the hard work uh, to create those things uh, a framework for treaty this current federal government and, and probably past ones as well they politic with our existence they tell lies you know again storytelling just telling out and out lies about us as opposed to telling truths which heal people and heal country if that type of approach is taken by each of the states it will compel eventually the federal government to do something about it because it'll be people power and that's why i really believe in the, this um europe commission the truth-telling commission i think it has huge potential uh, to change all of our lives and and hopefully for the better because you either create a wound or you open up a wound and you take whatever's in that wound out so the wound can actually heal you know we're trying to heal our souls as much as um as heal the country or the nation it takes one state at a time well that's that's suppose that's how we're going to do it yeah i i definitely agree with that how do you think that this year's nidoc week is reflected in your own artwork I'm also always trying to tell stories of some description. I, I did a piece for my masters, so and essentially the whole idea behind the masters was actually to do something that was recorded in a modern way for my two sons. My two sons participated with me, and so we have that bond from doing that together. No one can, you know, sort of um, take that away from us, and that. Um, really makes for um, not just healing, but making sure you, you feel good, feel better about yourself. I think that art in its spectrum has the ability to do that for everybody. And I think everyone has the ability as a human being to engage in it. Even modern day studies are showing that using art to heal people, whether it's mental health issues, it can really have a lot of benefit because it's about help healing yourself as well and I think art is really good because it engages your imagination then it engages um, something where you express that and and I reckon that it's got to be good for you because uh, it's been good for me it's been good for me as well Mick is the work that you created for your masters your favorite work that you've made or is there something else it's one of the ones I really enjoyed doing because I'm working on a a much bigger piece now that potentially involves my community. If you're familiar with a, an A2 sheet of paper and if I stand it up portrait-wise and cut it in half, I think it was 27 pieces, I think, from memory, in three rows, tried to create a theme of past, present and future. And so I drew them in the manner that I that I draw. So imagine they're on the wall, there's 27, they're all together, all side by side, so they create a bit of a backdrop, if you will. And my two sons and I, we created a song and a dance that talks about how we're singing to the artwork and bringing the artwork alive. And so we recorded that uh, song and dance on a, a black background. 
someone videoed it for us. And then what I did is I projected that over the top of it. And we were all, we had um, white ochre all over our skin. And so when you put that with the black backdrop, you then project that over the top. As we're moving across the screen, and we're mostly just moving upwards and backwards and forwards, the artwork was all over our skin because we were projected over the top of it. So it almost looked like we had these sort of moving tattoos or moving artwork playing all over our skin as our skin was moving. And so I've now done um, 40 A2 pieces in landscape all joined together. My intent is to do the same thing, but maybe create some, you know, um, really um, nice different type of animation, a bit like a rap group. might be gorillas, I think. That's what it reminds me of. Now, whether or not it becomes that, but that's the intent of of doing something like that on a much bigger scale. I'm a bit excited about that kind of stuff um, and the potential for storytelling, you know, for sharing with one another, having the experience together on a much larger scale. It's a bit like Tandurum when you're doing things in Tandurum. All the magic happens when you're together. Sometimes you just watch people being with one another. All the sort of the brick walls that we put up in front of ourselves and in front of other people to protect yourself, I suppose, they tend to sort of fall away. The icing on the cake is just the performance, the end. Really, all the magic happens while you're, you're doing all this stuff together. And so I hope that um, with this other thing, this new one I'm, I'm planning, that um, it does something similar. I can definitely visualise this artwork and I can almost feel the magic that's happening around it as you described it to me. So thank you for sharing that, Mick. Do you mind telling us a little bit more about your position as Deputy Chair for the Victorian Aboriginal Heritage Council? We are busily working around uh, all kinds of reform, both internally and externally, reform uh, reform to the Act, the Aboriginal Heritage Act, um, reform inside who it is we are and what we do, the Victorian First Peoples Assembly. That's really close to my heart. I was lucky enough to be part of that. But I was actually the co-chair with um, Jill Gallagher, who then became the commissioner, actually. I think we did some terrific work and, and the Assembly have now taken it on to the next step. Hopefully we'll see some some uh, fruit from their, their hard work soon and then we'll have a, a framework and an authority and hopefully we'll have some maybe both statewide uh, treaty but also local treaties with um, single groups and maybe even treaties amongst groups as well. Everything we do in this modern world is, you know, assimilation is always at our doorstep. So we've got to constantly remind ourselves of what we're doing and why we're doing it and try and make it better for ourselves and our children while trying to remember our past, our our ancestors and make the place a better place than what we found it. Thank you, Mick, for sharing that. I can't wait to see the the fruits, as you said, coming alive for the, all the hard work that the Aboriginal Victorian Heritage Council um, has been doing and the committee as well. So uh, thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm really privileged to have had this chat with you. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs>